Welcome to Tap In, Geek Out. One of the best things about doing this podcast is going out and getting to visit breweries. One of the best trips we made was back in February. We did live cast this episode at the time, but we did want to also make sure that we got it out there, even with a little delay. Doug and I got to sit down during the opening week at Deuce's Wild Brewery right here in Colorado Springs, where I live. And not only were we thoroughly impressed with the people that we met there that day and the beer and the mission behind the brewery, but we were also just impressed with the general vibe we got. After the podcast, they invited us to try all the beer. We sat at the bar. We made some new friends. It was an excellent experience. I also got to have one of my favorite beers of all time, which is their Blood Orange beer. But we wanted to give a proper intro to Deuces Wild because not only their hospitality, their dedication to the military community, and also their dedication to pouring a wonderful glass of beer. So what follows is Doug and I live at Deuces Wild. I hope you listened to it when we did it live. I hope you'll listen to it again now. And of course, if you guys are a brewery and you want us to come down and hang out with you, we will pay for our own beer. We're not asking for that. We'd love to come down and record and talk to you guys about the process. We find that people that brew beer have a lot of great stories to tell, and we'd love for you to tell us those stories. It was a great time. We did get to meet a lot of great people. Uh, We had a lot of our friends join us at the bar that day for those that weren't listening to the live stream, which was a lot of fun. It's the one and only time that we've done that. And I hope that we're able to get back to that format again, because it was just one of my favorite experiences of Tap In Geek Out so far. Sitting at the bar that day and trying all those beers, you mentioned the Blood Orange Pale Ale stood out for you. I'm reading off their website right now because there's no way I remember this off the top of my head, but that's a 6% ABV and a 56 IBU. What kind of rating would you give that one? That Blood Orange Ale that day was one of the best beers I have ever had. And in fact, I have had other beers that have similar recipes or similar, they promise similar things. They just haven't delivered as well as that Deuce's Wild beer. In fact, I did try some of their other beers that day. I don't remember which ones though, because I kept coming back to that one. You even liked it, Doug. And normally you do not get into the fruitier beers. Its composition is amazing because it, it is that magical blend of both fruity and hoppy, which is so difficult to pull off well, and they nailed it. I'm going five. Five. Nice. The beer I chose, since we couldn't both do the Blood Orange IPA, right? Right. <laughs> I went with the Joker IPA, and I rated that one a four out of five because it was really good. I don't give a lot of fives. I'm not uh, rating slut like you are. <laughs> I'm pretty picky. Wouldn't you say like in in life and in general, I'm a pretty picky person? I was thinking about this today when I was walking. I don't wonder why people call me a snob. I'm fine being a beer snob, a music snob. I'm picky about the women I date, video games. Well, maybe not. I'm kind of a video game slut. That's where I'm the whore, man. I take those cartridges down. So the Joker is a 6.5 ABV and a 70 IBU. And what I think I remember most about it is that I would consider it a less I guess what I would call a popular IPA in terms of the styles that you'd probably find on most shelves and taps right now, because it is a little maltier. And then somehow the bitterness kind of sneaks at the end and and hits you in the mouth. And that was also one that I really enjoyed. Um, A four is a relatively high rating for me as well. So long story short, Eric and I both enjoyed these beers. Those particular two brews are still on tap. I think they're a couple of their staple recipes. And uh, it sounds like uh, here in the early days of August, they're launching some new beers as well. 
Yeah, actually, last Monday, they launched a brand new IPA, Chester the Weather Dogs Golden IPA, which I'm sure is delicious. In fact, now that I'm kind of drinking beer a little bit, I'm sure I'll be down to Deuces Wild to pick up a couple crawlers, definitely bring home some Blood Orange. Football is right around the corner. We did rate the beers at Deuces Wild. I will tell you guys, if you're in the Springs, head down to Deuces Wild on any given night. They've got a lot of cool stuff going on. I'd rate the brewery a 10 out of 10 just for the experience and how friendly everyone was. And I'm sure that hasn't changed. And I hope I get to sit down with those guys again and do a podcast because I know Doug and I had a lot of fun. We absolutely did. And if you do make your way down there, they're doing bike night on Thursdays. And it looks like they are usually doing some live music. And if you hit the brewery, make sure and ask the bartender if their brewmaster Jeff is in that day. And he'd love to tell you all about the beers, just like he did with us. Yeah, they've always got food trucks. So don't worry about having to get a bite to eat when you're down there. There's always going to be some delicious food, good things to drink, good people to talk to. A brewery that supports the military and is based on the military, which is something that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, go down to Deuces Wild, guys, and enjoy the episode. Captain Geek Out, Doug Lund, Eric Hollis. It is February 3rd, and we are live at the Deuces Wild Brewery for their grand opening this morning. What time do the doors open? 11 a.m. All right, so if you're already listening to this, get in your car right now and head down to Colorado Springs and come join us for a beer for the grand opening at Deuces Wild. We're on Peterson, not too far off of Powers. That's the first thing I wanted to make sure and and get out to all of our listeners is... uh, This is a one-time event for Deuces Wild. There's only one grand opening. On the mic with us to begin with, because I think we're going to be doing some shift changes here, are Rich, who is the owner and uh, vice president. And Bill, I'm going to let you introduce your titles. Owner, president. Gentlemen, the first thing I want to say is I know this is a big day for you, so I want to thank you for taking some time to sit down with us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. The very first thing I noticed when I was doing some research on you guys ahead of time is in trying to find you online, it was difficult because I was spelling your name wrong. <laughs> you mean right. <laughs> that's exactly what Eric told me. He's like, well, you spelled the name right, so that's wrong. <laughs> Can we start there with the name? Well, I guess it all started uh, when I was back in the military. Uh, a missile maintainer, one of my first bases was uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and uh, they had the B system out there. And then I switched over to Malmstrom, which they had both the AM and the B system. B system uh, was called the Deuce Squadron or Squad 2 or Deuces. My team actually happened to be uh, Missile Maintenance Team 2. So we were known as Deuces. And when we take off for dispatch, we go Deuces Wild. And it just happened to work out, and it was, a, it was just a great nickname. And uh, so I thought uh, it might be a good idea. I'll get my guys t shirts for the team composition and stuff. And t shirts came back and they were spelled wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, I am a staff sergeant and I don't make any kind of money whatsoever and I can't afford 
to buy a new shirt, so I just told my guys about it, and they all just laughed. It's like, yeah, well, let's just roll with it. And, uh, you know, that was just kind of like the whole premise on everything coming. And then when I met Bill, uh, and he was talking about, you know, the brewery and stuff, he was thinking about Deuces Wild, it just clicked. I'm like, what a great thing, because it already fit with what everything that I had been going on through my military career. And uh, then I brought up the whole misspelling thing to him. It's like, well, I mean, this is kind of a good luck thing for us. I mean, what do you think about it? And, uh, you know, he was kind of hemming and hawing a little bit. He goes, you know what, it might be a good thing for us. And uh, so we uh, did a little informal survey, and uh, a lot of people didn't know how to spell deuces. And so we say, well, we see where it goes. And I think it's been a good thing because there's been a lot of articles yeah. saying, you know, don't worry about the misspelling. And a lot of people ask us about the misspelling. <laughs> and it's like, well, you guys are remembering us, so I guess we got something that works here. And so we're sticking with it. And, you know, that's basically how it came about. Almost a happy accident that led to excellence. Well, I'm glad you said that because, it, I mean, really, through and through this last week, it's just been phenomenal. Just the people coming in, the military supporting us. They're all bringing us their patches, and uh, we don't even have staple thick enough to put it up on the uh, the rafters right now. So we're getting some Velcro, and we're going to start our patches for all the military and the first responders, and then they bring in, so that way we can just line the rafters up with who they represent out there in the in the field and the military. So. One other thing I've noticed doing research about you guys is the tie you have to the military and the community. I know you have served, Rich, and thank you very much. And that really brings a unique element to Deuces Wild, especially in the Colorado Springs community here, which is a huge military community. Oh, absolutely. Peterson was my last duty station. Uh, When I left Malmstrom Air Force Base, I came to Peterson, worked Air Force Base Command, uh, a force sustainment for ICBMs. Um, so I was constantly traveling to the ICBM wings and it, just getting that continuity and knowing everybody out there. Um, and they all come out here, at least the NCOs do, for um, NCO Academy. So I get a chance to see them again, and now they have a little bit of their missile maintainer heritage going on right outside the base. We even have one of the beers, the Knuckle Dragger, named after the missile maintainers out there. You know, and basically all the hard workers, all the guys that are out there just grinding, you know, just doing a good job. And, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hefty, you know, Scotch ale too, by the way. It's, it's, you might only want to have a couple of them, but it's, uh, it, it, it was made for them. And that's, that's the whole premise of uh, that one. And, you know, Bill, you know, he brought that up and fully supported everything that we're going to do where it's going to surround this. That was mine, but Bill, on the other hand, he's got a son uh, currently serving in the Marine Corps right now. He's out in San Diego. His father was a uh, Korean war vet from uh, Marines also. Mm-hmm. We're just surrounding our investors. Uh, we have our good friends that are sitting out slinging beers. Uh, Steve, he served five years in the Air Force. Chris, our marketing manager, he was the chief of police out in Salt Lake. We just have a lot of first responders and military ties, and this is what we want to represent. Doug and I did not serve, but we're both military brats. So believe it or not, we actually met on a military base uh, back in 1985. So when I heard you guys were, were tied into that, I was like, well, that's not only unique, but that's needed, I believe, in, uh, in the community. Did you guys kind of feel like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Bill. You can talk. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're positioned perfect for doing this. Community's been great. We've gotten a lot of really good response from it. And we're all too happy to give back to the community as well. So, Where did you guys meet? Well, 21 years ago now. 21 years ago. In Great Falls. He was at Malmstrom. I got transferred with my job. And uh, I think my wife opened a daycare. Our boys are almost exactly the same age. And they needed daycare. They showed up one day and 
It's been shenanigans ever since. <laughs> 21 years ago. And yeah. then at what point did you guys start having a conversation about a brewery? That really wasn't until maybe a couple of years ago when, when we really started to, to discuss doing this. Uh, we've always talked about doing something. I mean, we were both broke. We both <laughs> someday our dream was to have a Harley. You know, I mean, hopes and dreams. Twenty-one years ago, and uh, you know, maybe a bar was our first thought. And you know, time. I ended up moving back to New York. He moved back here to Colorado, and many years later, we kind of got back together. I moved back here, and uh, we started discussing it. And it seemed like the community out here. This was the thing to do. And well, two years later, here we are. Colorado Springs in particular does seem like a hotbed right now. Did you have any concerns about getting into a market that was seeing a lot of new breweries springing up? We heard some chatter. Some folks were telling us that the market's saturated. I personally don't think we've hit saturation with the breweries yet. Obviously, the last week and a half have been great. We've gotten a great response. I think, honestly, people are looking for a comfortable place to go have a craft beer a well-crafted beer and that's what we're trying to do here and that's why we brought jeff on make quality beer make an atmosphere where people can go relax have a good time and i'm glad you brought that up that was going to be my next question is who did your decorating starting with the skateboard decks on the walls and, and looking around the room this is a really unique atmosphere well as far as the skateboards go i want to throw out a huge prop to our uh, good friends down at west side tattoo uh, aaron moore had made them for us to put up on the wall he says it was the display is our we just wanted it because it was just the perfect fit in here and uh aaron i hope you're listening to this because uh people are loving them skateboards and we're not going to sell them sorry <laughs> and is the bike part of the decor or yes yes we'll get it out of here after the grand opening just because i don't want to get it scratched <laughs> that's a gorgeous bike well again another really good friend of ours coven is her company aurora spesser it's kind of an odd story. I got run over in a parking lot. A woman backed over me on that bike while I was sitting on it. <laughs> that is an odd story. <laughs> and uh, I'd always wanted to do something with the bike. And, well, now it's trashed, so this is a good opportunity to do something. And uh, it, it really wasn't initially intended to be a brewery bike, but I Give gave her rains. free reins, and uh, that's what she came up with. And I'm glad she did because it turned out great. Agreed. And first of all, I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> it, it was close. It was touch and go. <laughs> I'm really eager to start asking questions about what you're making here and what's going to be on tap today. Who are the right gentlemen to have that conversation with? Well, with this being said, we're going to bring up Jeff. <laughs> Absolutely. He is the mad scientist, the one and only. Rich, thanks. Thank you, Rich. We're going to start right at the top of the tap list and just go down through each beer. <laughs> okay. That's what works for me. <laughs> no, man, I, I won't put you through that. We wouldn't do that to you. Well, let's pick one off the board. Which one is your favorite beer? You know, I always go for IPAs. I don't know why. I love making uh, darker beers, but the IPA just for me is a refreshing beer. My typical IPAs have been more with a malt backbone. This one I tried to make more hop forward in the, at the beginning, so more bitterness and a little less of the malt backing it up. So it was my first that I've made that I think really turned out that way. Does that fall into one of the styles? I can't keep them straight between East Coast, West Coast, New England. Oh, uh, Jeff. 
I don't know. <laughs> the Jeff style. <laughs> Jeff style. That's great. I yeah. No, I, don't, I, I think it just falls into an IPA. Yeah, it's, it's just a really good, solid IPA, I think. And how has the reception been? I know you guys have been open for a week now. What kind of feedback are you getting? Uh, everybody's loving the beers. Surprisingly, the Blood Orange is... I thought when we first made it, it was like, whoa, that's a lot of Blood Orange. But it's been received really well. And we're not going to change a thing on that one. But it's been a really good one. And everybody's loving pretty much everything up there. Are you the mastermind behind all of the beers? Or do you get any help with that? Bill was instrumental in the Blood Orange. It was his idea to have the Blood Orange Pale Ale. And Old Number 12 was one they'd been working on. But when I came along, I changed up a few things, made it an oatmeal stout instead of, I forget what it was before. It was kind of a Frankenstein beer, I think. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. So... But everything else, pretty much, I think we've had some good back and forth on them. But for the most part, everything else up there is something that I developed for this place. And Jeff, how long have you been doing this? Uh, I've been in the industry for about 20 years. I started brewing professionally when I started McClellan's in Canyon City in 2007. It's another brewery? Yeah, it was my first brewery. I worked for Sweetwater Brewing Company in... in, uh, Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with Sweetwater. (laughs) When were you there? Uh, 98 to 2003 or 4. I've probably had some of your beer. (laughs) Well, I wasn't brewing there. Oh, okay. I was doing everything else but brewing. So uh, cleaning tanks, fixing things, stuff like that. So I had a real day job, so I couldn't do that. Yeah, Sweetwater was the microbrew in Atlanta forever. Now Terrapin's kind of stepping up and things like that. But I, I often call Sweetwater the new Belgium of the South because... There was nothing like Sweetwater when Sweetwater came out, and hell, they're doing music festivals and all sorts of stuff now. Yeah, yeah, we were living in East Atlanta when they did the first uh, East Atlanta Beer Fest. I think that turned into 420 Fest. I'm not sure. It did, and in fact, uh, if you were there, we probably passed each other uh, by <laughs> many times. That's interesting that you're from Atlanta. Is that kind of your origin story with beer, starting at Sweetwater, cleaning the tanks? Or? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I started home brewing with a Mr. Beer kit that we picked up, and. Uh, decided that that beer wasn't that great so i went to the homebrew shop got the big boy kit and went downhill from there so downhill is that what brought you to where you are here yeah I've, I've reached <laughs> that was a terrible transition i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. really what is it about this fine group here that makes you want to brew beer for them i don't know they're just a fun group of guys i mean they're friendly they're sincere about what they're doing and why they're doing it and yeah just a good group of guys you guys cook up anything special for the grand opening today uh we've got a vanilla porter we just made one keg of it uh, added some vanilla extract really nice vanilla porter so listeners if you make it down here today that's the one you want to try because it might run out pretty quickly and it might be a while before your patrons see it again there's only 120 pints of it so yeah it could go quick eric's gonna put away 12 of those by himself (laughs) (laughs) i wish he was kidding Well, that's okay. It's 5%, so. Okay. You're right. I'll be all right. Yeah. Some of the names up there are pretty straightforward, but the one that stands out immediately is the Banana Hammock. I have to hear the story behind that name. Uh, well, when I left Red Leg, it was to start my own brewery. And the brewery that I've been thinking about starting, oh, since I lived in Georgia, was called Big Hammock Brewing Company because of a state park in South Georgia called Big Hammock State Park. Uh, We won't go into why it's called that, but (laughs) I I thought the name Big Hammock was a great name for a brewing company. And then when we were thinking about starting it up here, I was talking to some friends and thought we'd do a bunch of different beers that I usually didn't do. And a Hefeweizen's one that I've never done as a professional brewer. And my wife was like, well, 
You could call it banana hammock because I was talking about making a really banana hefeweizen, one that just tasted like, not quite like a banana creamsicle, but the name was like perfect. It was like, oh, banana hammock. I like that. Yeah. Um, there's no real dirty story to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still it, a good it story. Works. Yeah, it works. Throw the wife under the bus. Everyone's got a story like that. <laughs> and a hefe does usually have a little banana hint to it. So yeah. what did you do to bring that forward? To bring the banana forward, I under aerated it and I under pitched it. So the yeast was stressed. And then I let it go pretty hot in the fermentation just to bring those esters out. I'm going to circle back to the Joker. That's the IPA, right? Yes. Which happens to be my favorite style of beer too. Uh, what kind of hops are you using in that particular brew? The Joker has uh, Apollo, Equinox, and uh, Centennial in it. So Equinox can bring out some kind of mango flavors, some tropical fruit flavors, and then the Centennial for some good citrus accents in there. And then the Apollo is just pretty much for bittering. You know, it's pretty much named after uh, Steve Miller. Steve Band. Miller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Steve Miller. The Joker. We're going to do a mild Roush beer called the Smoker, and then I'm going to do one with hemp powder. The, the Midnight, Midnight Toker. Toker. The Midnight Toker, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nice. What's the timeline with those? Just as I can get to them. You know, the Joker's probably going to stay, and then those other two will be a one-off at some point coming down the road, but probably in the next six months or so. And the vanilla was a keg. Is that your typical size for your smaller batches? Yeah, we're able to brew a barrel on our small system, but that one was just we took off a barrel of the par three-porter and did it with that. Ah, okay, okay, that's right. How many tanks are you guys running back there? I've got three 10-barrel fermenters and a 10-barrel bright tank. That's what I've got right now. And we're looking at probably expanding the fourth fermenter right now. So That sounds like plenty to keep you busy, though. Yeah, it should. Yeah. <laughs> How important do you think experimentation is? Do you make batches and they turn out unexpected to you, or is that kind of where the learning process is? I don't imagine you were born knowing how to make a Hefeweizen. That was really just tasting Hefeweizens. I've been talking to people for a long time about how they do beers and stuff like that. I got the idea from Bill I, who used to work at Prost, and I forget what his brewery's called now, and he makes a Hefeweizen that tastes like a banana creamsicle. And he did a talk on that, how he accomplishes that. And that's basically, I followed his lead on that. You know, when I'm making beers, uh, I know pretty much what I want. And I know what most of the grains I'm trying are going to do for me. I know what most of the hops are going to do for me. And, and the yeast is, is pretty much uh, straightforward. So it's just putting them together and knowing it's going to be a drinkable beer. Sometimes I'll change it. Sometimes it's like, that's exactly what I wanted. And sometimes it's, well... You are your own worst critic, so it's like, ah, I don't like that. I'm going to change it. So. Do you ever find that there's something that you taste and you don't like, but you might give it to these guys, and they're like, oh, no, it's fantastic. Put that on tap. Uh, I haven't recently, okay. but I have in the past. Yeah, I made one beer that was a really honey beer, and I really did not like that beer. Everybody I gave it to loved it. So, okay, here you can have the recipe. It's uh, 1030 now, so the doors are opening down here at the Deuces Wild, 600 block of Peterson in just around a half an hour now. So if you're just tuning in, come down and join the gentlemen here. Tyler, Eric, and myself from Tap In Geek Out and Bitfaced uh, will also be hanging around for a while. Now back to the conversation. There's a segment that we try and feature on every one of our episodes called I Remember My First Beer. And before we started talking to brewers, it was just tell the story of the very first beer you had. Or if you can't remember the first beer you had, because a lot of people can't, just a, a good beer story with brewers in particular. I like to know about 
the first batch that you made when you thought, I'm good at this and I'm going to keep doing it? What is it, Grandpapa? I remember my first beer. The first one I made that I thought was excellent, I did a uh, English extra special bitter. I made it when I lived in East Atlanta and uh, made it for the, a neighborhood party. And it came out tasting like an ESB. And everybody that was trying was like, you need to quit working on airplanes and go make beer. That's kind of when I first decided that, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm good enough to get this going. And, and uh, that was, you know, I was working at Sweetwater part-time at the time and learning all that. And that was the one, the ESB. I'm going to take that as an education opportunity. What goes into the process of putting an ESB together? That's a style I personally know very little about. It's a, it's a really straightforward style. It's English-style pale ale, basically. It's called Extra Special Bitter. doesn't mean it's bitter. It's very nice, malty beer with hops to back it up. It's not one of those in-your-face West Coast IPA kind of style. Going into that, you want a little bit of caramel, maybe some toffee notes in it. Not a whole lot of hop bitterness, but put a lot of hop in the flavor. You just use English-style hops like uh, Kent Goldings. Very drinkable. Um, not overly carbonated style of beer. Is that a style that you're still brewing to this day? Um, I haven't in years right now. It's one of those, it's, it's hard to sell to people because they hear it bitter. When you say, <laughs> this is an extra special bitter, oh, I don't want that. So you got to get them educated on it. Um, and that's what I've been trying to do for years, but it hasn't been one that we've wanted to put out. It's not like a popular style. It's not like an IPA or a, or a really hoppy pale ale or something like that, which people tend to go for. I try to incorporate some kind of that history in uh, my other beers. Thanks. <laughs> Bill, is it right if I put you on the spot? Yeah, I don't know if I have a great beer story. I can remember opening beers in my refrigerator when I was a kid, drink half of it, fill the rest up with water, put the cap back on, and, and hope <laughs> Dad didn't find out. Um, he knew, yeah. wasn't fooling anybody. As far as craft beers, it wasn't until I was maybe 30 that I discovered craft beer and realized that I like beer again, because I wasn't crazy about the Pilsners and the commercial beers that were out there. And I think it was Daytona Bike Week in 2005. And I started to sample some of the craft beers from the breweries that were popping up going down the East Coast and realized that, yeah, I like craft beer and, and it just went downhill from there. Kids these days, don't know how good they have it. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. I've got kids that have just come into drinking age recently, and they're you know, trying all different kinds of things. I'm like, yeah, it must be nice to have all of those options because you know anyone who's 40 or above can remember a time when there was maybe three or four selections that you could get consistently. And then if you wanted a beer that had any good flavor, you had to get in your car and drive somewhere. Yeah, or Canadian beer. I grew up in upstate New York, and you had to go to Canada to get a good beer. <laughs> I hate to say that, but that was the case years ago. So we're fortunate to be here in these times, I feel. In addition to the Vanilla Porter today, what else is it that you want to let the community know about with the grand opening? Well, unfortunately, our mug club sold out. So we won't have any of that available for the grand opening. The mugs on the wall over yeah, here? Yeah, it sold way faster than we ever thought it would. That doesn't sound like unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds like good. Well, unfortunate for some folks that really wanted to get in on the mug club, we actually have a waiting list already. That part of it's been great. We have a etched glass that we did a limited amount. 
that we're going to sell first come first serve when they're gone they're gone and honestly just come down and try some really great beer you're going to have to get more hangers for those mugs up there well (laughs) you don't want to put too many up there because if you're part of a mug club you want to feel like you're part of a small group not everybody has this mug so we're fighting the urge to add to the 50 that we have for someone that wasn't fortunate enough to get in on day one what's that waiting list look like now there's probably 10 12 people on it already well congratulations that's an achievement and a victory from day one thanks Sorry, we, man. No, no, you put me on the spot here. No, it's I, fine. I was trying to avoid dead air there. Oh, no, I didn't know if we were switching or what we were doing. Now's probably a good time to do that. Jeff, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I did get the name right, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't see your shirt. <laughs> Chris. Yes. How's it going? Excellent. What do you do here at Deuces Wild? You know, I drink a lot of beer. <laughs> That's the perk of my job. I've actually uh, been helping out with some of the social media, Instagram, Facebook, and just trying to get the word out there and get some good publicity for the brewery. How long in advance of today did you start working on the grand opening? Well, we probably started things slowly in the summertime, getting some pages crafted and ready to go, thinking about what Bill and Rich wanted as owners, the vision. Luckily, I know them personally, obviously, and and I wanted to get some of their personality in there. But, you know, we did have the delay at the grand opening earlier this month. And that obviously threw things a little bit in a wrench. And for me, it's much easier when you're open to get those pictures and those posts out there and, and all that. And so it, we've really been just the last few weeks gearing up. I actually live in Salt Lake City, and uh, I was skiing at Snow Basin Ski Resort. And I got a text from Bill with the picture with Ty holding the last piece of paper they need. And he said, hey, we're open. So I think I was riding the gondola and threw a post out real quick. And I think they had a, a good turnout just right then and there. So... It's been pretty neat. We've heard that when it comes to the licensing and the policy and the government, that really is a hurry up and wait game when opening a new brewery in particular. And I should mention, we've also got another new individual on the mic, Callie. Mm -hmm. What do you do at Deuces Wild? So I bartend here. The most important person in the room. Yes. I bring you your beer and make you happy. (laughs) It's my job. I'm going to throw this question to both of you because you both work in a brewery, but at some point you did something else and something drew you to this industry. Can I put you guys on the spot as well with your beer story or your first beer story? Yeah, I actually worked at a brewery prior to this and before that I worked in bars. So going from a bar to a brewery was a huge change. It was amazing. You don't have the people just coming here to get drunk. They actually enjoy what they're drinking and enjoy the environment and they're not there just to get crazy. So it's kind of nice. And I really love the fact that you can put so much personality and you can put so much uniqueness into a beer, into a brewery. And just the fact that people come in and they're so happy to see you and they're so happy to drink is an amazing feeling. And I love it. Like I love working here and People who come in make my job so much fun that doesn't even feel like a job anymore. So it's hard to want to leave or like go home because kind of like feels like home here. I was going to ask about your age, but that's probably not a fair question. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember your first beer? I remember sneaking my first beer. Um, (laughs) I remember it was a Bud Light and I thought it was disgusting. And I was like, I don't know how people can go out and drink because this is gross. And then finally, when I became of age, I started drinking, and I think my first beer was a Bristol Winter Warlock, actually, and that's what got me hooked. I was like, why have I been drinking this gross, like, water beer? Like, what is wrong with me? 
you had to suffer like everyone else. And we hear that story a lot. It's like, yeah, I tried a Budweiser, Michelob, and then I didn't drink beer again for five or six years. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All my friends were like, no, this is the only thing we drink is like Keystone Light, Bud Light. No, can't do that. There's no way. Like, I can't go back now. Once you go craft, you don't go back. <laughs> you mind if I steal that? <laughs> go ahead. It's a new yeah. t-shirt idea. <laughs> Deal. Chris, I do a lot on social media, and I know there's a lot of challenges out there when you're promoting anything. What are some of the challenges you've ran into promoting the brewery? Uh, right now, it's just getting the word out there. The word of mouth is so huge, and, and like yesterday, it was, a, it was a fairly busy day, and, and I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of customers, and that's the first thing I asked them is, how did you hear about the brewery? And, and you know, and with the connections that Rich and Bill have and, and Callie, uh, they just, you know, so many people, so a lot of that happens, but it's nice to hear that, oh, I saw you on Facebook or I saw you on Instagram, and, and uh, obviously, when you're a startup business, you don't have that product and that feedback to really when it starts to sell itself. Well, now that's what's happening. I mean, all the reviews that are coming in on Facebook, for example, are just fantastic because the number one thing is the beer has to be good. Otherwise, you're not going to come here. But you can see the detail and craftsmanship that's gone into the brewery itself. And I've had a chance to get to know Jeff and, I mean, talk about a knowledgeable guy. And he's very well known in the beer scene here in Colorado. And it's instant credibility, it's instant respect. And and so that makes my job a lot easier now. Now it's just take some cool pictures and throw a filter on there and see what happens. Yeah, I think word of mouth is the most important thing, correct? Beer's great today. I'll tell 30 of my friends how awesome it is. Organically, you guys have built this up. And bring it back to kind of where we started today, I think the ties to the military in this community, that takes you guys to a whole nother level. As soon as I heard about that and the support for the veterans, I was like, okay, well, I would be well more inclined to go drink there because I know I'm supporting good people and a good cause and something that I truly believe in. So thank you guys so much. I mean, this is a wonderful place to have beer. The skateboards alone, when I walked in, I, <laughs> I'm big into skateboarding. I was like, okay, I've got something in common with these guys. Beer and skateboarding, hell, you can't beat that at all. So I think it's wonderful. And anything we can do to kind of spread the signal for you, we would love to. And I cannot wait to drink some of the beer today. Looking up at that board, I'm just salivating. You're in for a treat for sure. And, oh, yeah. You know, my dad did it 25 years in the Air Force, retired as a master sergeant, and it was just a natural fit for me to get involved with these guys. And the location they picked, I think, is excellent. I think they're all about really the Colorado Springs community, some revitalization, you know, access to the base, and you've given people a destination on their way home from work now, and, and we have such a nice mix of people in here. And it was really neat to see, but you're right. It's the veteran side of it, the veteran-owned thing. We just saw a tie come in. Uh, he's an Army veteran, uh, was hurt over in 2006 in Iraq where he was shot, and he's a, he's a big part of the brewery as well, and it's a good common place. The term of a public house is, you know, people are coming here, good conversation. It was just a constant din of people talking and getting to know each other, and this gathering table is a fantastic concept because you're sitting next to people you don't even know and just chatting, and it's just a nice vibe in here, you know? I can't wait to see it. And you guys are right down the street from my house, so you might be seeing me more often than you'd well, like we hope, to. We hope so. <laughs> Just keep tagging us and checking in. <laughs> oh, we write beer reviews, too, and I can't wait to review some of the beers. We bring a pretty unique take on it. And we do drink a lot of beer, so I can't wait to have y'all's beer today. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the sole purpose of us even being here today is to help add our voice to your voice. When it comes to our listeners or the patrons today, what would be your ask of them in terms of how they're communicating it, where to review the beers? 
Is there a place in particular that aligns with what you're doing? Well, right now we're pretty much Instagram, Facebook only. Yelp is going to come up on the horizon there once we're a little bit more established. I'm so sorry. That... I'm just going to tell you in advance. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll see how that goes, right? But so far, I think we've gotten a lot of good feedback on Facebook, and that's probably for us. And then, obviously, if you have links to different pages and sites, we definitely would love to share that. And I think what's so unique for me, there's a brotherhood among these craft brewers. We had a fellow brewer in yesterday from another place, and the help and support that goes into it. I think that's part of the message that Rich and Bill want to get out there is support your local communities. We're not some big monster business out there to take over the world. It's just, hey, we're two good old boys trying to follow their dream and the community they're supporting. They're all about giving back to Colorado Springs, members of the Chamber of Commerce now, which is important, and being involved in some of the veteran affairs work there and military support. And obviously, I think Rich mentioned earlier, I'm retired law enforcement, um, so they're very much into that first responder community. Steve is a firefighter, so police, fire, EMS personnel. That's where a lot of the focus is going to go back when it comes to fundraising, some charitable things, certain nights, um, those type of events, which is, I think, so crucial, especially in an area like this with the military base there. I live in Layton, which is where Hill Air Force Base is, and it's all about that military support. For our listeners, we'll make sure and get information added both to the stream and to the show notes with all the social media tags that Chris mentioned on how to share your experience here and make the brewery aware of your feedback at the same time. We've talked to a lot of brewers in Colorado Springs, and if you guys ever need anything, just pick up the phone and call one of them. I'm serious. That's everybody in the community we've talked to has said. There is a level of competition, but there's also a level of camaraderie. Like, you run out of hops, you know, give Travis down at Fieldhouse a call. I promise you he would help you out, seriously. And that's just what I felt from the community, and that's what I felt when I walked in the door here today. And I I just want to thank all of you for spending time with us today and inviting us into your brewery to drink beer. I cannot wait to drink beer today. I can't say that enough. Uh, can't wait to try some of your beers, but but thank you so much. I mean, I knew as soon as I opened the door today that this was going to be a very unique interview and this was going to be a very unique brewery and you guys did not disappoint me in the least. So I really appreciate that. And thank you for having us here today. It means a lot to us. Well, we appreciate you guys. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And congratulations on the big day. Thanks again to Deuces Wild. Thanks to everyone uh, who might have tuned into the live stream today. This isn't our typical format. So at one point, I'm going to cut this together into uh, a more listenable episode. At that point, it's you that I should reach out to talk you, about you can go promoting through. that. Yeah, but they know how to get a hold of me. <laughs> it, I promise you it'll sound much better than I've sounded up to this point. I'm not a live person, that, so uh, thank you for being my guinea pig because I'm hoping that this is something that we can continue to do. We love the microbrew scene. If you like what you heard today or if you're still listening, come down and have a beer. Bring your friends, bring your coworkers, hell, bring your platoon. And when they love the beer and ask where you heard about this place, don't give us the credit. Just take it for yourself. Unless there's anything else that you wanted to add, I'm going to go ahead and close this out. We do have $5 pints until 6 p.m. And a small number of those limited edition glasses. So get in here while you can. You know how fast the mug club went. Those glasses will go very quickly, too. And that vanilla porter. The glasses and the vanilla porter. Cheers. Well, cheers. That's actually the perfect note to end on. I'm Doug Lunn, Eric Hollis at the Deuces Wild Brewery. If someone is listening to the stream right now and you come down and you walk up to Tyler and insult him, I will buy you a $5 pint. (laughs) (laughs) 
because that's how much I love my co-host. Check out the links uh, that we will have on Facebook. We'll also put them up on our Twitter. And thank you to the community. We had 20 Twitter followers at the beginning of January, and we just cracked 1,000 last night. Oh, nice. So awesome. we really appreciate everyone's support. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback on the last cast, and I know we're going to have good feedback here. But, yeah, come down to Deuces Wild today. We're in Colorado Springs. I know there's some of you guys out there that are local. Come down and drink some beers with me and Doug. When do you get a chance to do that? And, plus, you get to meet everyone that you just heard on the microphone today. Tap in Geek Out's here. Bitfaced is here. We can't wait to have a beer with you.